Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Luke chapter 6 this morning. We're continuing on our teaching on faith. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. For those that come to Him must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But turn to the Gospel of Luke and we'll start there this morning. Hallelujah, let me come down here. Now we've gotten to the place where we're teaching on acting on the Word of God, acting in faith. You know, religion does just the opposite. Religion does stuff to try to get God to recognize what it's doing. Uh, That never works. I remember being in Israel after I graduated from Bible school. My dad took me to Israel and we were actually on the road going from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Excuse me, Jerusalem to Jericho. And off in the distance of the, of the road as you approach De- uh, Jericho, there's these real rugged mountains. And way up in these mountains, cut out of all that hard stone, is a monastery. And so the, the, the tour guide was telling us a little bit about the monastery. And men go up to this monastery and spend 10 and 12 years at a time sitting up in this monastery doing nothing, saying nothing. Doing nothing other than, you know, getting up and getting their water and a little bit of bread to eat. And, of course, they're supposed to be reading the Bible. And, and they think that's a great act of faith. What a great act of faith for somebody to take 12 years out of their life and go sit on a hill somewhere and do nothing. Well, that's not faith. But the world calls it faith. The world call, but that's not faith. That's not an act of faith. Actually, I think it's an act of stupidity. Myself, I mean, you know, take a vow of silence, go up and sit on a hill somewhere and do nothing. Don't get nobody saved. Don't get anybody healed. At least you'd come to church and get a job at Jack of the Box and tithe an offer. We'll do something with your money. Amen. Amen. Anything's better than nothing. That's what Brother Dearman used to tell us at Lakewood. Do something. At least you do nothing. Well, you know, a lot of people think that their works that they do by, by praying to some saint or to some statue or because of some uh, beads that they may own, or something like that, that's some great act of faith. And actually, the Bible talks about, Paul said, listen, we need to be delivered from dead works. Dead works is not talking about sin. Dead works are works that seem to have religious significance, but have no basis in the Word of God. Amen. We don't pray to saints. Man, let me try that again. We don't pray to saints. Amen. You don't need a set of beads to get to God. Nor do you need to talk to his mother. Amen. I know that makes some people fight mad right there. But here's the truth. We have no basis for it in the word of God. But we can boldly come to the throne of grace in the name of Jesus to obtain mercy in time of need. Because that's what the word of God says we can do. That's scripturally correct. So if you want to have the correct access to God, then you got to be scripturally correct. you got to stick with the Word of God. Amen? Don't stick with religion. religion. Don't stick with tradition. Stick with the Word. And then when it comes to faith, there comes a time in your life when you're going to have to act on what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, we started here last week, and we also go back over to, to the book of James. Then we're going to go to Genesis. It says here in verse 46, it says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not, everybody say, do not, Do not the things which I say. Notice how Jesus was looking for people to do something. Not just to believe it, but to do it. Amen. He said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and diggeth deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not It's like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So Jesus is addressing two people, doers of the word and those that do not do the word. Both of them here. We're not talking, listen, we're not talking to Christians and the world this morning. Let me, let me give you that again. We're not c- talking to Christians and the world this morning. We're talking to Christians who hear and do and Christians who hear and don't do. Because if you're a Christian that hears and does, you're in good shape. If you're a Christian that hears and do not does, <laughs> then you need to listen real close this morning so you'll get to be one that does does. Are you with me? Now, back to the book of James. 
Just as a little bit of review this morning, we don't want to re-preach, every, uh, re-preach everything. We are looking at principles of faith. Number one, we saw where faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number two, the primary way in which we release faith is through confession. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Have you ever noticed religion only, only mentions uh, uh, confession when it comes to the confession of sin? But there's so much more to confession. You need to say, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say, well, not just so, but let it say what the word says. Amen. That means actually that, that scripture means let the redeemed of the Lord say, so be it. So, so be what? So be I'm healed. So be I'm delivered. So be I'm blessed. We got a word for so be it called amen. That's it right there. So, so be it. Every time you hear the word of preach and you say amen, that's what you're saying. So be it. Amen. So faith released through confession. The primary way we release faith is through confession. You need a strong word-based confession. Don't speak death to your body. Don't speak death to your finances. Don't speak death to your marriage. Don't speak death to your children. Don't speak death to your job. Don't speak death to your business. Say, what do I do? Speak life. Take the word of God. Begin to say things like, God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Thanks be unto God that caused me always to triumph in Christ. And then this morning we delivered, we ministered to people who were having problems with the devil. Don't let the devil get on your back. Begin to confess, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. No weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. I walk upon serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. Devil, you're under my feet in Jesus. Now you gotta begin to do that. You gotta confess that so that you will have faith in it. Remember, we allow our mouths to feed our hearts faith when we don't need it so our hearts can feed our mouth faith when we do. Now, last week we began studying the act of faith are works of faith. Now, I mentioned this last week, and I'll, I'll kind of bear it up again this week. In growing up under a lot of really good faith teaching, uh, going to Bible school, uh, sitting under the ministry of, uh, of men that were pioneers in the teaching of faith, reading their books, uh, sitting under their ministry personally, now having them minister to me, lay hands on me. There is a spirit of faith in which you can catch. Amen. But I begin to realize that there is a lot of teaching on the word, on faith cometh by hearing, a lot of teaching on confession, a lot of books written on confession, the power of the tongue, different things like that. But I begin to notice that there was very little teaching on acting on the word of God. And this is the area in which the devil himself will do everything he can do to confuse you, do everything he can do to mix you up, do everything he can do to try to get you to not act on the word of God, or if you do act on the word of God, to get you to do the wrong thing. So many times, that's where the fight of faith is involved in. Okay, pastor, you know, I'm believing God for healing. I've got to be on medication. I've got to go to treatments. I don't want to take medication. I don't want to go to treatments. I've had the hands laid on me. I believe I'm healed. I'm making my confession every day. I'm using my healing scriptures. What do I do next? Here's the answer. You wait on the Lord till he tells you what to do? I, I, I related a, a testimony in the early service of a missionary that came to our Bible school back in 1984. Uh, he was a missionary to Africa, and he related the story about the early years of he and his wife in Africa. There were many primitive areas in which they just built fires, fires to, to burn the fields, to plant crops, fires for cooking. And a lot of that smoke uh, got into his wife's throat and irritated her throat very badly. So she developed a real hacking cough and coughed and hacked. Clarence Matheny was his name. I'd forgotten his name until just then. The Lord just reminded me of his name. Clarence Matheny was his name. And he said his wife for 10 years had the loudest hacking cough at nighttime to the point they had to sleep in two, two separate bedrooms. Now, they were faith people. They'd had signs and wonders and miracles in their ministry for years. They had seen people delivered and healed and set free. They'd come back to the States. They'd had hands laid upon them. People had anointed them with oil and prayed, but she still coughed and hacked. And he still contended for healing. They still prayed every day and thanked God that she was healed. Well, one night, he was listening to her cough. Could tell she was horribly tormented and uncomfortable. And he cried out to God and said, God, listen, we believe your word. We've confessed your word. What do I do? How do we receive this miracle that we need in order to get this cough to stop? And the Lord spoke to him. 
and said, you go into your kitchen and you take a teaspoon of vinegar and you give it to her. And he went into his kitchen. He took a teaspoon of vinegar. He gave it to her. And immediately her cough stopped and she never coughed again. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. A teaspoon of vinegar cannot heal a chronic cough. Some of you going to go home and get your vinegar out and start taking No, no. It won't work. You say, why? These people waited on the Lord, believed God, fought the fight of faith, fought the fight of faith. Then God spoke to them. I did it in my own life. And the Lord spoke to me and said, healed men go surfing. And I got up one morning when I did not want to go. I felt terrible. I wanted to lay in bed and die. My body was hurting. My, there was fever. I was sweating. But I knew, I knew. I knew in my spirit, this was the point that I had come to September, October, November, December, January, all these months I had stood, I'd believed God, I'd confessed the word, I'd declared my healing, and I knew it had come to that point that this was my act of faith. And I went and I did. And after I did, I thought I was going to (laughs) die. Didn't look like it worked. I thought, well, I missed it here. I should have never done this. I went into that hotel room of the Sheraton Macaha, wrapped up in a blanket like a tortilla, uh, wrapped up like a burrito. I was so cold and shaking so bad, fell asleep at 4.30 in the afternoon, woke up the next morning at 8 o'clock and never had a symptom in my body since then. That was 1994. Well, you say, how does that happen? It happens. You've got to wait on the Lord and allow God to speak to you and not be afraid to step out and do something that may or may not be wrong, that may or may not activate the power of God, because there will be times when you will. But you've got to make a decision. If I miss it 500 times, it's the one time that I don't miss it that's going to pull all the power of God in my life. It's going to cause my miracle to manifest, and it's going to cause God to be glorified and the devil to be defeated in my life. So that's why we begin to study a little bit more meticulously acting on the word of God. So let's begin there in verse, I believe it's verse 14. Verse 14 of James chapter 2. I, forget, I think I forgot to say that. James chapter 2. Now let me just read through this a minute and then we'll come back and look at it. What doth it profit, my brother, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, one of you say unto them, depart. In peace be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What good does it do? What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that how by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now let me read that again, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Verse, verse, uh, uh, verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Three times, emphatically, James tells us, without works, your faith is dead, your faith is alone, or your faith is inactive. But the good news is, the reciprocal of that truth, if faith without works is dead, faith, works, faith with works is alive or living. Now remember, your answer, everybody say my answer. Your answer lays unappropriated for you in the unseen realm. Laid up in the spirit realm. Ephesians, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The word of God gives us the information. The information contains power that empowers us to believe. 
even though our senses don't tell us we're healed, even though we don't see the check in the mail, even though we don't see anything going on, we can know that we have that which we believe. Our words touch both realms. Our words touch the natural realm. Our words touch the spirit realm. So we begin to confess. Thank you, Father, that I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. The law, uh, I've been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. You are piercing the spirit realm and laying hold upon your provision. It's in the unseen realm. It's not not there. It's there. You're grabbing hold of. But when you act on faith, it opens the portals, the windows of heaven, and pours out the ability of the word you're believing. Let me try that again. It pours out the ability or the power of the word you're believing. What you have been believing in your heart, what you have been confessing with your mouth, when you act on it, it brings it from the unseen realm into the seen realm. No wonder the devil doesn't want you acting on the word. No wonder he wants you sit there and just, well, that sounds good. I believe that. That sounds good. But never act. No wonder he doesn't want you asking, seeking, knocking, saying, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? 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 Constantly coming to God. Father, I'm believing. I'm confessing. I'm rejoicing. I'm standing. We're going to study the stand of faith next. I'm standing on your word. I'm rejoicing. I've already received. I've got it. It belongs to me. But what do I do to bring it into my situation so that I might receive the fullness of your provision as proclaimed by your word? That's where the fight comes. That's when the devil will get in your mind and say, well, you need to do this. Or you need to do that. And you need to do this. You ever had thoughts come into your mind tell you to do something? You know, what? what's up with that? And you know it's not. Let me just say this about God. You know when he talks to you. Make this confession in your daily prayer every day. It will help you tremendously. Say, I'm his. He is my shepherd. His sheep know his voice. I'm his sheep, and I will not follow anybody else. And I guarantee you when God speaks to you to do something by faith, you will know it's God. Amen? So therefore we see James talking to us about not doing things like presumption because it worked for somebody else that way. We think it'll work for us that way. Thinking, hey man, I'll just go get me a teaspoon of vinegar. Work for Brother Clarence Matheny? Well, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Always remember that this about faith. All of us are at different levels. Faith is an individual expression. We're all on different levels. I may be believing God for something over here. You may be believing God for the same thing. God might require one act of faith from me, another act of faith from you, both of us on different levels achieving the same thing. That's why there's been so much confusion when people write their books how to receive from God because they do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and boom, get this big miracle. Then we go back and we do A, B, C, D, uh, E, and we don't get anything. We're thinking, what we do? And then we write the letter to the preacher, and he writes us back and says, well, it's because you got some sin in your life or you got this or that, and we're going, I ain't got no sin in my life. I'm just trying to receive from God. No, it may not be A, B, C, D, E that causes you to get it. It may be L, M, N, O, P or one, two, three. Or X, Y, Z. I don't know. But whatever God tells you is what you need to act on to do it. Then you can't assume. You can't operate in assumption. Presumption and assumption. Just assuming. Well, I go to Island Church. Well, I hear the music. Well, I lift my hands. Well, it ought to just work for me. No, you're responsible for your individual life of faith. You've got to wait on the Lord. You've got to hear from God. And you've got to make a decision. When God speaks, I will act. When God speaks, I will act, and you've got to learn to tell the devil to shut up. Those two words, actually three words, actually four words, maybe five. Devil, in the name of Jesus, shut up. Eight words, that's good enough. And you've got to say it, and you've got to say it, and you've got to say it till he shuts up, because he'll try to confuse you. He'll try to get you to do this and do that and do this and do that. He'll try to, you listen, if he can't stop you from obeying God, then he's going to push you too far in trying to obey him. I heard Brother Hagin say that years ago. Brother Kenneth Hagin, a man I read after a lot and study his sermons and sat under his ministry. He said, if the devil cannot stop you, he will always try to push you too far. 
How do you find the balance? Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Keep believing. Keep confessing. Keep believing. Keep confessing. Keep believing. Keep confessing. Keep believing. Keep confessing. And God will speak. And then when you do it, it'll work. Now let's look at that just a moment. Look here in verse Verse 21, was not Abraham, everybody say Abraham, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he'd offered his son Isaac upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. I like that. By works, faith is perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now go, go over real quick to Genesis. Genesis 22 Genesis chapter 22. Now remember what we adhere to around here at Island Church. That scriptures can have multiple revelations. See, the problem with a lot of people, they think they, they, they see or they hear a scripture, they think it only has one meaning. But, but I like something one preacher said. He said, literally, it's like climbing a mountain. You climb the north side, you get the north view. You climb the south side, you get the south view. East side, get the east view. West side, get the west view. Well, we climbed, oh, I don't know, maybe six or eight weeks ago. We climbed the redemptive side of Genesis 22. You say, what do you mean the redemptive side? We looked at Genesis chapter 22 in its redemptive significance, which means God was looking for a man willing to get into a blood covenant with him, willing to give his only son that would release God to do what? To one day give his only son. That was the significance of God's requirement of Abraham's act of faith. Are you with me? But now we're going to climb up another side. We're going to climb up the act of faith side to see how an act of faith works. Now notice what it says here. Chapter 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. I don't like the word tempt. I like it in the Amplified. It says God proved Abraham. God does not tempt us with sickness, with disease, with depression, with poverty. No, he proves our faith. In the face of sickness and disease, he imparts faith for healing. In the face of poverty and lack, he imparts faith for prosperity. We have to learn to hear it, speak it, and act on it. Are you with me? He proves us. It says, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. Now listen to this. He said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. Now, how many of you would have said to God something like this? Say what? <laughs> Amen. Now, at this time, Abraham had been walking with God approximately 34 years, 25 until Isaac's birth, and then approximately Isaac is around 17 years of age. It's 34 years he's been walking with God. So he is a, he's a man of faith. He's a man that saw the miracle of Isaac being born. The miracle of all kinds of prosperity that God had blessed him with. And he understood the gospel. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that God aforetime preached the gospel unto Abraham. So he knew the significance of this offering or of this sacrifice. He knew that he was the man. Everybody say the man. He knew he was the man that was in blood covenant with God. And if God was going to give his only son, it might require an act of faith on Abraham's part. How far does it go? Abraham did not know. But the Bible says that Abraham had already received him back in a type. Knowing that God talked about the death of his son, the burial of his son, and the resurrection of his son. Are you with me? Did I drop my mic? Here we go. Therefore, he knew if he had to offer up Isaac, that if Isaac died, then Isaac would be buried, but that Isaac would also be resurrected. That he had already received him. He said, I already, I already believe God. If I got to kill this boy, he's going to come back from the dead. Because God promised that in redemption, that his son would die, be buried, and resurrect. I'm in covenant with God. If my son dies, he's buried, he's resurrected. Are you with me? So God says, let's do it. He says, let's do it. He says, and he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, which thou lovest. Everybody say, thou lovest. Many times the acts of faith have to do with what you love. What you love us, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I shall tell thee of. Notice verse 3. 
And Abraham called a prayer meeting of all the people that he knew because he knew he had to pray and pray and seek God to find out if that was really what God had told him or if he'd really just had a bad dream. Oh, that's not what it says? Oh, and Abraham called the television station and all the TV preachers and sent in the special offering so that he could get the miracle of hearing from God and got the miracle water and the green cloth and the blue cloth and the red cloth to make sure he was truly hearing from God. Oh, no? How about this? Abraham rose up early in the morning. Didn't make a phone call. Didn't talk to anybody. Didn't call a prayer meeting. Listen, when you've heard from God, you've heard from God. I said, when you've heard from God, you've heard from God. Abraham rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now notice verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide he, ye with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, only Abraham knows what's going on here. Abraham hadn't shared this with anybody. doesn't say he has. He's on three-day journey. He's thinking. He's meditating. He's thinking about what he's got to do. He's thinking about this message called the gospel that God had preached to him. He's wondering in his mind, what does all this mean? What does this mean? Me to take my son. He's not said anything to anybody. Now he's sitting down and he's getting ready to go up the mountain, but he's going by himself with Isaac only. So the Bible says he stops, he parks all the donkeys, and he tells the young men, stay here with these donkeys, and I and my boy are going to go to the mountain, and we're going to pray for three days to find out if there's really God or not. Or does he do this? He gathers them all around and says, hey guys, I need special prayer. I need some special prayer. Woe is me. You do not know what God has told me to do. I'm telling you, God has put a burden on me. It's more than any man can bear. I need special prayer. Anoint me with oil. Pour water on me. Give me the blue cloth, the red cloth, the green cloth, some kind of cloth. Do something. No. He didn't take an opportunity for public panic. I've had people call me up. Pastor Russ, this God told me to do this. God told me to do this. And I, I always tell them this. Why are you talking to me? Number one, I'm not going to talk you out of it unless it's something stupid. And the problem is the more stupid it is, the less I've been able to talk people out of it. That's what blows my mind. Well, people do some crazy stupid thing over here and then the simple thing that God says does, they won't do it. They won't obey God. Blows my mind sometimes. No, don't take an opportunity for public panic. If God has spoken to you to do something, you don't need special prayer. You don't need a counseling session with a pastor. You don't need none of that. All you need to do is obey God. You say, what if I miss it? Then obey him again. What if I miss it? Then obey it again. What if I miss it? Then obey it again. What if I miss it? Then obey it again. Because if you miss God 500 times and get it right the 501st time, it is worth it to get all the power, the anointing, and blessing out of the unseen realm into your life. It's worth it. I remember we went to Nicaragua. The Lord just reminded me. Went to Nicaragua to hold a crusade one time. And as we usually do, we stayed over and went surfing. And so our boards arrived. I think I did not go early that time. I was there early. Y'all came later. They came later. I was doing some, some preemptive work. They came later. And, and we used to carry our surfboards, these big old boxes and stuff. So they arrived uh, on the weekend. They came in on the weekend. That was it. And, and we were supposed to leave to go on our surf trip on Monday. I'd been there during the week ministering. And so they would not release those boards from customs. And so Alan went down, I think it was on a Saturday afternoon. And off he went. And he went to this guy. Nope. Went to this guy. Nope. Went to this guy. Nope. Every person he talked to said no. Well, he knew me, and he knew he needed to get those boards. Because <laughs> I wouldn't hang around on Monday. So he prayed. I remember him telling the testimony. He said, I prayed, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you've gotten a lot of no's, but all you need is one yes. And he was walking kind of dejected through the terminal there in Managua, and I believe it was a, a, a rental car guy. Asked him, said, what's the problem? And he told him what was going on. He says, well, I know just what you need to do. And he told him where to go, who to talk to. And I think 30 minutes later, they were on the way to the hotel with all that stuff. See, if he would have stopped at the first no, at the second no, at the third no, 
at the fourth. But he just kept doing and doing and doing and doing until God could get the guy from the car rental place to give him a word. And the guy from the car rental place had the right word. And it got everything released. That's why you just got to stay with it. Don't publicly panic. If God tells you to do it, do it. If it's not God, then just say, well, praise the Lord, I did it anyway. I would rather think it's God, do it, and fail. Stay with me. Think it's God, do it, and fail, than to know it's God and disobey Him. I'd rather think a hundred times and fail a hundred times than to know God speaking to me and not to obey Him. Are you with me? So here He is. I and the lad, now this is an important point, will go yonder and, I love the word, worship. Your act of faith is the ultimate act of worship to God. It is bigger than your hands being raised in the worship service. It's bigger than you singing out loud the songs of worship and praise. Because God knows when you act on faith, you are totally trusting a God you have not contacted with your senses. You have not seen him. You have not touched him. You have not felt him. You have not heard him other than in the spirit realm. Are you with me? But now you are stepping out and acting on that. And God says that is the ultimate act of worship. That's why he's told the gays, man, me and my boy, we're going to go up there and we're going to worship God. Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. Now notice verse 7. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. He said, Here am I. He said, My son. He said, Behold the fire, the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Well, here we go. Private panic. You say, What do you mean? You can be all spiritual at Island Church. Worship God. I'm going to obey God. But then when you get home, your wife or your husband, your friends, your loved ones, you start calling people. Help me. That guy's been up there preaching faith. God spoke to me. I don't know what to do now. Private panic. You know, here's the thing. There have been times in Lee and I's life, being a married couple, being in the ministry together, where God would be dealing with me. Dealing with me. I remember we started dealing with me about, about the church. I, Leah could see in my, in my spirit, in my because when you're close to somebody in a marriage covenant, that's why it's good to come to the marriage class and learn how close you really are. She could see that God was dealing with me, dealing with me, dealing with me, dealing with me. And I wasn't saying nothing to her because I knew God was not going to speak to her. He's going to speak to me. And she would just say things to me like, you know, I, I agree with your faith. And I would see times when God would be dealing with her. There are times I wanted to step in and say, okay, Lord, I'll just step in and pray for her. And Lord would say, leave her alone. She's walking in faith. She's obeying me. I'll tell her what to do, not you. She's my daughter, just your wife. Well, when the Heavenly Father tells you that, you learn to back away. And I've seen her get things from the Lord. There's been times I've wanted to say, pray for me. I think I'm going crazy. Especially when you're fixing to take a ministry up the mountain. Amen. One you've worked 18 years on and built. And you're preaching all over the world. And people are wanting you to come. And people are saying, come, 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 come. All over the world they're saying. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Go to Galveston. Go to Galveston. We're going, why? We don't want to go to Galveston. Amen. No, no, we didn't do it. We don't take opportunity for private panic. Because anytime you panic when it comes to acting in faith, that's where the enemy will get you, right there. That's where he'll impart fear. And that's where, listen to me, that's where you will aid the efforts of the devil with your reasoning mind. You will begin to reason in your mind. You'll begin to figure out maybe another way. You'll begin to figure out a better way. Look at me so holy. How many of you ever God spoke to you something you thought, I got a better way than that? It doesn't work. You got to do it God's way. So here's Isaac. He's going, hey, pops, here we go up the mountain. Here we go up the mountain. You've got the wood. You've got the fire. You've got the knife. 
but you ain't got no lamb. Now, this was Abraham's opportunity to say, Isaac, my son, my son, my son. Let me tell you what this is all about. This is all about you. But Abraham had aforetime had the gospel preached unto him. So he did what? Went back to the previous principle of confession. Isaac, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. You say, what do I do when I'm tempted to panic publicly or tempted to panic privately? You go back to the word. And you say what the word says. You don't say what your mind thinks. I ought to be getting some better amens in this. You you don't say what your mind thinks. Many times if you do that, you'll be rehearsing what the devil says. You don't say what your emotions tell you. You don't say what your body tells you. You don't say what the circumstance tells you. You say what God says. What do the circumstance say? No ram. What do the emotions say? No ram. What did the situation say? No ram. What did did Abraham say? God will provide. So here he goes. Now notice. I mean, this guy's going through with it. He's going through with it. Came to the place which God had told him of. Verse 9. Abraham built an altar there. Laid the wood in order. Bound his son Isaac. Laid him upon the altar upon the wood. Stretched forth his hand. Took the knife to slay his son and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am here am I same thing never changed what he said at the beginning he said the angel said lay not thy hand upon the lad neither do thou anything unto him for now I know everybody say I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son thine only son from me And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham took the ram, and Abraham took, he took the ram, and offered him for a burnt offering in the steed of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, you say, why did not Abraham have to go through with it? I don't know, ask God. God was only looking for a man willing. Notice God reserves the right to change procedure right in the middle of your obedience. He reserves it. Let him, that's why you got to stay close to him. Walk close to him. Keep your ear bent toward him. Not towards your emotions. Not towards your mind. But now notice, notice how God does things. When this ram was born, I don't know if it was a year old ram, a five year old ram, a ten year old. I don't know. Let's just say it was a year old. A year ago, in that wilderness area, a ram was born the way all rams on the earth were born. To a a female sheep, to a ewe. Are you with me? So here's this little ram. Now he's subject to all of the different calamities, tragedies of the earth. Drought, famine, predators, man himself. All kinds of things could have come into this little baby lamb's life. And stolen his life before he made it to Abraham. Except God has the ability to look down the road and see our obedience. The Bible says he is light. Everybody say light. We know that light travels what? 186,000 miles per second. That's pretty quick. The Bible says if you can go 186,001 miles per second, you manipulate time. So God stands on the hub of eternity. Kind of like a, there was a man named Roy Hicks. He put out a tape one time called The Speed of Light. And he said he saw God standing like on the hub of a wheel. And all the spokes of the wheel being time. 2011, 12, 13, 1986. You say, what does that mean? Well, he may have to go back in 1986 heal something in your life. See, he's not bound by time. We are. He's not. He can go back in 1984 and heal something that happened to you. Come on, church. Or he can see your obedience... He's looking in 2015. He's looking at you in 2013. Here's Abraham. He sees Abraham's obedience. So here's this ram. But he's not like every other ram born. God sees my man is going to need this ram. So when the predators come, I hide him. When drought comes, I make sure he's got water. Famine comes, I make sure he's got food. I raise the lamb. 
Nature doesn't raise him. Man doesn't raise him. I raise him. So he can get to my man. Three days before, this ram is out grazing. Doesn't even know what he's doing. All of a sudden, he starts heading towards a certain mountain. Don't even know why he's going there. Three days later, he starts up the side of the mountain. Abraham and Isaac start up the other side. He keeps going. Ram keeps going. He keeps going. Ram keeps going. Abraham raises a knife. Ram gets caught in the thicket. Abraham obeys God. God looks and says, right there's your provision. How many rams is God preserving for you? This is why people, they, uh, the uncertainty of what they get into when it comes to faith scares people. But you can be more certain. Listen, you can be more certain of what you don't see than what you do see if you stay exposed to the Word and the Spirit realm. It's when you back away from it into the natural that your eyes begin to close and you cannot see the provision of God. Because anytime you act in faith, not only are you bringing the provision of God into the natural realm, you are stepping yourself into the field of confrontation. You are confronting the sickness, the disease, the addiction. You're confronting the financial problem. You're confronting the problem in your marriage, the problem in your business, the problem at your job. You're becoming confrontational. People do not like confrontation. It's not pretty, nor is it comfortable. But if you're not a confrontational Christian, you'll be ran over by the world, the flesh, the devil, and your mind. But if you will make a decision, I'm going to confront that sickness and disease. I'm going to confront that financial problem. I'm going to confront that problem in my business. I'm going to confront that problem in my job. I'm going to confront that situation in my marriage. I'm going to confront it in Jesus' name, but I'm going to do it by faith. Then when you act on the Word of God, He's going to make sure your ram finds its way to the thicket. And you're going to open your eyes and say, there it is. Thank you, Lord. Think of David. I'll close with this. How's my time? Good. Right on time. Here's David. He walks onto what? A field of confrontation nobody else would face. Here's a giant challenging Israel saying, listen, here's the deal. Send me a man that I may fight. If I whip him, all of you are our slaves. He whips me. You're all my uh, we'll all be your slaves. Well, that's no deal, especially when you're a giant. But David walks onto the field doing what? Not obeying a prophecy. Not hearing a voice from heaven. Getting a dream or a vision. I've heard people preach that before. It's not in the word. You know why he's at the fight? Obeying parental guidance. Daddy said go. That's why he was there. There was no prophecy. There was no special word from God. There was no, no, uh, nothing like that. He had done the right thing in leaving Saul's court, had done the right thing in keeping the lambs at his father's house. And when dad said it's time to go serve your brothers, he went and he showed up and stepped right into confrontation. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I'll go fight with him. I can't wear your armor. It doesn't even fit me. But I do know how to sling a stone. So I'll use what I have. So it goes out. He slings a stone, knocks Goliath on the ground. Now there lies a giant who's been hit in the head with a rock. I don't know if you've ever been hit in the head with a rock, but it's hard to contain your... Your anger has a way of flaring... <laughs> After you wake up and feel that big goose egg on your head. So there lies a giant with the potential to get up really mad. So David, unprepared to finish the job, stepped onto the field of confrontation. Without provision. But I don't know, a week before, a month before, a year before. Five years. See, the Philistines were experts at working with metal. All the blacksmiths, all of the technology of the day came out of the land of the Philistines. So here is a blacksmith in the land of the Philistines doing what? Making a sword. Not just any sword. This sword is going to belong to a giant. This is going to be a warrior sword. This is going to be a sword that I guarantee you it is going to be sharp. It is going to be an instrument of violence. It's going to, I, I, it'll be perfect. Did you know what it's perfect for? It's going to be perfect for chopping off a giant's head because it's a giant sword. You're missing it. Could you imagine getting his head off with a, with a shepherd's knife? 
you won't even get through his beard. And while you're sawing, he wakes up. No, you need one slice. Everybody say one slice. So God made sure that his man of faith and confrontation ended up with the perfect implement for taking a giant's head off of his body, which would be what? A giant sword. The Bible said he looked and he saw. That's all it took. He looked and he saw. And he took that head, the Bible says, when he would hold it up, the women would scream and cry and sing. Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousand. Now listen, that, here, here's, here's the head of a giant, dripping with blood, all coagulated, nasty, no telling what's running out of his nose or ears. Stump of a neck. See how ugly that is? There wasn't one, one, not one Jewish person thought that was ugly. That was beautiful. That was victory. That was deliverance. That was, we're not going into slavery. That's, we're delivered. That was confrontation. That was an act of faith. Not pretty, not comfortable, but very effective. What do we hold up? The cross. What was the cross? A place of confrontation. An act of faith. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. Listen, beginning in John, excuse me, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said, God said, God said, God said, all down through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, all the way through the Word. He said, He said, He said, He said, and then one day to a little virgin girl, the talking was over, and the acting began, and Jesus was conceived. Well, that was just the beginning, and he acted, and he acted, and then he went to the cross, and he stretched himself out, and it was confrontational, and it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't comfortable, but then when they went three days later to the tomb, the stone was rolled away, and every Christian in the world today has a cross that they wear. Because just as David held up the head of Goliath, we hold up the cross and say, here it is. It wasn't pretty, but it was confrontational, and it set us free, and it delivers us, and it heals our body, and it does what we cannot do. And because of that, because of the cross, we can walk by faith and not by sight. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And without faith, none of the things that God has provided for us becomes relative in our life. So don't be afraid. Be confrontational. Rise up. Say, Pastor, I acted in faith five years ago. It was the stupidest thing I ever did. So, join the club. And I acted in faith last week. And I tell you, it wasn't God. I thought it was God. I'd prayed and God's... Listen, your heart is right. Your heart is doing everything it can do to obey God. Don't stop. If you blow it tomorrow and Wednesday and Saturday and next week and July and August and September, if you get it right in February, though, is it worth stopping? Is it worth quitting? It ain't worth it. It's worth everything you do to continue to act in faith until you get the miracle that you're believing God for. Are you with me? Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you for boldness. Thank you for strength. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the word of God that causes our hearts to hear from heaven, to know what to do. What do we do, Lord? 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 Hallelujah. Now put, put your hands down just a minute. We're, we're here facing the greatest challenge of our ministry. And when I say our, that's us together, Island Church together. Believing God for a piece of property. Believing God to build an auditorium to seat over a thousand people. That's never been done on, on the island before. Never been done on that level. It's been done on other levels, but not for full gospel independent church. So we've been confessing. We've got words from God. I've got scriptures I've written. We've been speaking the word. What do we do? I don't know. We've been doing all kinds of stuff. We've met with city council, talked with one of the people, not the city council, but met with one of the people from the city. We've written letters. We've looked at land. We've contacted real. We're doing, you say, is anything supernatural? Not yet. But as sure as I'm standing here, you watch. One day I'll stand right here 
Look, everybody look right here. I'll stand right here and I'll say, we have the land. And you will know that God has spoken and we have done something that was of, of God. You say, what do you do in the meantime? We keep doing. Well, they didn't respond to that letter. We'll write another one. We'll contact them on the internet. We'll send it special delivery this time. I sent it certified that time. We'll do special delivery where they've got. We'll do, we'll just keep doing and just, well, well you look like a fool. Maybe so. You look like an idiot. No, maybe so. But one day I'll stand right here and I'll say, we've got our land. We've got our land. Rejoice. We've got our land. Then we'll start the next process. Of what? Well, I'm getting the building raised up. We'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do this, we'll do that. We'll take building front offerings, we'll do this. But, but then all of a sudden we'll say, we'll stand right here. I'll stand right here and I'll say, guess what? Guess what? This is our last service in this building. Next week, don't meet here. But I've done it before. I've done it before. People thought, looked at me like I was crazy, looked like that'll never happen. And we just stood in faith, believed God, and we come walking in there. And just as sure you say, why? Because that's how faith, faith to faith, glory to glory, faith to faith. Now, that's the thing. You want your personal faith to work like that? Get around people whose corporate faith is working like that. (laughs) Let me say this. Giant killing, mountain moving faith doesn't work too good in dead churches. People with no vision, people with no... You saying something against the church? I'm not saying anything against any church. I'm just saying it. You want your faith to work? Get around people who their faith is working. Get around a corporate structure that has... You say, well, what are you going to do when you get that building built? We'll have something else. Actually, my own heart in, once we're in that building, is to turn our focus to the world. I'm believing by then we're going to have several people in here that want to go. I'm going to begin to go more. Once I build that building, I'm going to start going back to the nations, back to the nations, back to the nations, back to the... You say, well, that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to pastor Island Church, but I'm also called to preach to the world. So I'm going to believe God that once we get that building, then we're going to go back. We're going to go to Africa. We're going to go back to Europe. Go back down to South America. Go back to the Philippine Islands. Go back up. We're going to go to Australia, New Zealand. All these places where we've seen... What do you think we're doing so unseen in these places? What do you think we're doing? We're building platforms. We're building platforms where we can go preach crusades and revivals and build churches and raise people up to do the will of God. I'm so glad I'm doing it now, not when I was 30 and didn't know nothing. When I was 40 and thought I knew something. Now that I'm 50 and, and, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I do know nothing, now God can use me. It takes some time for God to get somebody to the place where they can use them. Amen. How have you ever had bowed ever? Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.